All right. Well, good to see you, Doxa. If you're new or visiting, my name is Rob. I'm, I'm one of the pastors. It's great to have you here. Guys, happy birthday to us, right? I mean, one year, we did it, right? That's, that's awesome. Ronnie, the head of our party planning committee, has cake, like as he's been promising the last like four weeks tonight. So guys, it's going to be awesome. But guys, I want to say this, like, okay, it's, it's our birthday. We're, we're celebrating the year. And, and this journey of, of watching God start this church, watching God start and, and grow Salt Company here in Madison has just been incredible. I mean, if you've been around for a while and you've been seeing this, I mean, like I, I've been thinking about it over this past week. I mean, we've seen people say yes to Jesus and find salvation for their sin. We've, we've seen marriages saved. We've seen people just changed by the grace of God, hope given in such a way that, that people are changing, that our city is changing. It's, it's an awesome thing. And I just want you to know that, that I'm honored and, and quite honestly just humbled to be part of this journey with you guys. All right, and, and we're, I have a feeling like as I've been thinking about this, like if my life was, was ever written as a book, I don't know if anybody would actually read it, but you know, I feel like this season that we're in would be like one of the big chapters. But as I look back on, on my life, I have a feeling that this is just going to be one of those mountaintop seasons of life that I just look back on with just tremendous joy. And so I'm thankful to God, and I'm thankful for, for every single one of you, and really just excited to, to celebrate tonight at this, at this cookout. It's just going to be a great time of just being together and, and hanging out. Now, before we get into the Bible together, okay, I wanted to give you a quick update on the progress of, of our building, right? That if you've been around, you, you know that God has kind of just dropped this building on our, on our lap, and, and we're just like kind of keeping up and being like, okay, this is kind of scary, but this is awesome, and God's doing some crazy stuff. And, and so, guys, here's where we're at. There's going to be a graphic that, that pops up here. We, we had set this goal. We said we needed to have about $300,000 as like a down payment for the Doxa house, for the house for the family of, of Doxa. And guys, here's where we're at right now. As of this morning, we have $241,000 either given or pledged. So this is where you guys are like, wow, that's amazing, right? Come on. <laughs> guys, this is, this is awesome. All right, and we're, we're almost there, guys. We, we set the goal at being that October 1st is when we needed this, this down payment, and, and I'm confident that we're, we're going to get there. But even if you cannot give, let me, let me just even back out of this and say this, guys. If you're new or visiting DOXA, this is a time for you. You can check out just for a minute and just enjoy this little announcement. This is for, like, those of you who are, like, part of, of DOXA, that you're, you're a member of the DOXA family. Guys, um, we have about 30 to 35 of our members who have yet to, to pledge or to, to give. And so my ask for you is, is really the ask for my family. I would never ask you guys to, to do something that I myself am not willing to do. But would you just continue to pray about what God might have you give in, in a way to, to love our family, to, to have this place where we really feel like, man, this is an opportunity for us to be about Madison, to plant roots here in Madison, to use this facility to love the next generation. And so... You can give all the way up to December 31st on our website, doxaforward.com. And, and so the ask to you guys is, is, could you just do that just to let us know kind of where we're at moving forward with this building? I actually just signed this morning, right before this service, our, our offer letter that's going to come back, and we got the appraisal done. And so, guys, we're, we're moving forward, and, and God is, is just paving the way. But we're sitting in some really exciting times in the life of Doxa. Right, it, we, and as I think about everything that has happened up in this year, because I really have this sense that the, the best is really ahead of us. The best is, is yet to come. So with all that said, though, here's where we're at today. 
All right, if, if you've been around the Doxa family for any amount of time, you know that our propensity is just to kind of go through books of the Bible, that in the year-long existence of our church, we've, we've studied through the book of 1 Timothy. We, we spent about a year almost in the, the gospel of, of Luke, and as I mentioned a few weeks ago, we're going to spend the better part of this next year going through the book of Acts, which we were supposed to start today. But something has happened, okay, and I, and I feel like God has kind of interrupted our plans. And if you know me, you know that this has probably been like a, a kind of a hectic season because I'm very type A. Some people call that like anal retentive. I call it methodical and planned, okay? So, but like, here, here, guys, here's what happens. You know, the, I really believe that a few weeks ago, God has like impressed on me that something that just like, you know those times when something just lands on you and you just know that this is like from God. And, and God has like hit me with this, and it deals directly with me as a, as a man, but it deals with us as, as a church family. And because, because this is what happened, okay, it's shifting everything, and it's messing with me. I'm stuttering, like I don't know how to, right? We're changing our plans, all right? Because we're going to spend three weeks looking at something that, that I really believe that God really wants to teach our church. And here's how this all came to be, okay? On, on August 17th, I think that that day, that weekend, is going to probably prove to be one of the most significant life-altering weekends of, of my entire life. I was back in Ohio performing the funeral of my, my grandfather, and I've done a lot of funerals in the past, but this one was, was very different for me. And it wasn't because the man that was laying in the casket was, was my grandfather, but it was due to the life of the man who was my grandfather and the, the legacy that he left that really deeply challenged me. That, that my grandfather was like a tremendous man of God. He followed Jesus for the last 65 years of his life. He, he kept his faith till his last breath. And because of his faith and his prayers, like everyone in my family loves and follows Jesus. But, but here is what rocked me on, on August 17th, okay? As I stood at this, this funeral, all right, in the gathering, and I was standing in like the, the what is it, the, the line, the greeting line when people come and, and say their farewells. And then after I preached, like person after person that I met, Almost everyone said the same thing about my grandfather. They all said it in like different words, but the message was, was clear, all right? And it was this. They basically said, your grandfather was the most loving man that I have ever met. I mean, like 200 people who, who went through the line, who basically were reflecting on the experience that they had with my grandfather, the thing that came to their mind was the way that he loved that he opened up his heart, he opened up his life, he opened up his house, he opened up his wallet, he gave everything that he has and everything that he was to love the people that God put around him throughout his life. That this was his legacy. And this got me thinking, okay, I, I really, like in that moment, I'm, I'm looking at my grandfather in the casket and I had the thought, like, okay, would people say this about me? Like when I'm the one that's dead, when I'm the one laying in that casket, as people reflect on, on my life, and their experiences with me, like, what are they going to say? Because as a Christian, love is what people should be remembering about me, right? That it's not about, like, my accomplishments. It's, it's not about, like, like, my gifting or anything like that. But it should be ultimately about love. And even more, guys, this, this experience kind of just, like, collided and coincided with our 16-word our series where, that we just wrapped up, where we talked about why our church exists. In the midst of all of this, guys, I just was taken back by the amount of time we spent talking about how love, like, has to be the backdrop of who we are as a church, because everything else is just going to be noise. And so in the midst of, of all this, here is what I sense God saying to, to me that relates to, to you as well. I feel like he's saying, Rob... You need to grow in love. 
And you need to lead the way to help Doxa to grow in love. Because I, I really feel that God wants to do a work in us by his love in such a way that the love of God is like experienced more fully in us. It's seen more clearly through us and it's felt more powerfully by those around us in our city. And in my time in prayer and in my time in the Bible, I really feel like God has been saying what Peter says in, in 1 Peter 4.8. If you've read this, he says, above all, above all else, love. And so guys, here, here's the goal, all right? Above everything else, we're just going to strive by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit through God's word to have love be the central theme of our church. Because it needs to be. It's God's plan for us. It's his desire for us that love would drive everything that we do in all that we are. And it's my prayer that these three weeks, they're going to help us. Because, you know, three weeks is not going to necessarily change, like, everything about every single one of us. But here's what it will do. Because as Christians, what we do is we literally just walk with Jesus every single day. And we put one foot in front of the other and just try our best to live for and like him. And I hope that this, this three-week series, as we look at this idea of love, is going to be a catalyst to help us growing as loving people just like Jesus. So grab your Bible, open up the first John chapter four. All right, we're gonna get into this today. And as we, we begin this next three weeks, we're gonna talk about three topics that kind of orbit this idea of love. Today, we're gonna hit this idea of loving one another. Next week, we're gonna hit on this, this topic of, of loving the forgotten. And then we're gonna wrap it all together with, with loving the lost on that third week. And the goal, like I said, is that we would actually become the men and women that God has created us to be people marked by this just radical love that we see in Jesus. And so today, this idea of, of loving one another in the family of Doxa, all right? So 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 is where we're gonna start. And this is what John says. He says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. I want you to circle that in your Bible. Love is from God. And whoever has been born of God and know, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Verse eight, anyone who does not love does not know God because, circle this next part, God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, circle propitiation, you can put a question mark because you're probably wondering what that means. Propitiation for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought, and this last part circle it, love one another. So here's what's going on in 1 John. All right, John was Jesus's nearest, dearest, his, his best, his most close friend. In the Gospel of John, John is referred to the disciple whom Jesus loved, his beloved. And as John is writing 1 John, all right, he's, a, he's an elderly man, probably 80 to 100 years old, and he's writing as he remembers his younger years, as he walked with Jesus. And he's remembering and he's writing based upon the ways, in, in the, the ways that Jesus had loved him. All right, and so he's writing to Christians, and he's instructing Christians, the church, which means it's us, how to love. And he's saying, here's how Jesus has, has loved me. Here's how Jesus has loved you. And now this is what that means for your life as you walk with Jesus in the everyday stuff of life. And so as he's instructing the church, guys, this makes this a timely and timeless message for us here this morning. And so he gives us one big reason that Christians are supposed to love one another. And, and I want to say this, guys, before we talk about like how to love one another, we have to start with the why. Because if we don't start with like the why, why do we love one another, the how, it's not going to be sustainable. 
We're not going to be able to do it. Like, we can maybe learn a couple things, but we're not going to be able to keep it going. But if we understand the why, guys, the, the how is going to naturally flow, and it's going to come out of our lives. And here's what John says. Here's the why. Look back. He says, God is love. Verse 7, look again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So why do we love one another? Because God is love, we've been born of God, and so we love like God. And I want you to see, guys, this, this great theological flow here, that love actually starts with God and, and not us. It, it starts with him. Because love is not just like this feeling or this emotion or this effort that we kind of muster up within ourselves to, to do and to act, but it's something that comes to us which then ultimately flows through us. And so John is saying that our love for one another, guys, it stems from us being born of God. That when we put our faith in Jesus, if you remember the Gospel of John, chapter 3, right, we're, we're born again, we're born into the family of God, which means that we now, as Christians, we bear the resemblance, the, the marks of the family, of which a major mark is that of love. And so to put it simply, guys, to, to be God's kids, to be a Christian it means that we, we look like our dad. Right, it's kind of like this. Okay, years ago, I was a, I was a city worker. Uh, I know that might shock some of you. Some of you shake my hands, and you're like, your hands are so soft. You must never do anything, right? I used to work really hard. I still work. No, that's not. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> but I was a city worker. I, I drove around in like a, a big truck, all right? And it was, was kind of like this beefy, manly Chevy truck, and I kind of felt really cool driving it. Um, but uh, one day I was running low on gas, and I had to fill up, and so I pull over. I'm, I'm pumping gas, and, and I remember this little kid. I was just looking at him, and, and he was standing there next to his dad's truck, and he must, it couldn't have been more than like seven years old, all right? And he looks at me, and he's like, hey, man. And I'm like, hey, bud, <laughs> right? And he's like, Chevy, huh? And I was like, yeah, I was just trying to be nice. Like at that point, I was like, yeah, dude, sure thing, Chevy. Um, and he just kept staring at me. And so I'm pumping my gas. And then out of nowhere, he's like, hey, you know, uh, real men drive Fords. <laughs> and, and I was like, I remember like having this conflict in my head. Like, what is it? Did he just like insult and come at my masculinity? Like, what is going on? He's not even hit puberty, right? And so I'm like, what do I what do? I do? And I'm just like, okay, I'm just thinking to myself, like, where did he get this? And then all of a sudden I hear like, the, you know, the bell on the door in the gas station ring, and, like, the dad walks out. And I see him, and he's just, like, this big farmer-looking dude, and he's got a built Ford Tough shirt on and a hat that says, real men drive Fords. And I'm like, ah, okay, I, I get it. He, he's just like his dad, right? Guys, this is what John is, is getting at. This is what he's talking about when he's talking about being born of God, that we start to be like our dad, our heavenly dad that we begin to be marked by the things that are of him, that the love that he is becomes part of us. And he even says, John, like Jesus' best friend, like he can't comprehend. He's like, if the love of God is not in you, I can't understand how you can be a child of God. If, like it doesn't make sense. And so it's an opportunity for us. It's like if we're not like marked with love, like something is off in our understanding of the gospel and something is hindered in our, in our walk with God. Jesus says this in John 13. He says that people will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Love is this like distinguishing mark of a Christian. And throughout the Bible, guys, God gives us commands over and over to love. He says that we're to love him, that we're to love one another, that we're to love strangers. 
We're to love our enemies. But I want you to hear this, guys. Before God tells us what to do, he tells us who he is. And this is what John is teaching us here, that love is from God and that God is love. John's sharing the truth that, that God is the source of love and that all love ultimately flows from him. And here's what you need to know about this love, guys. When it comes to the Bible, in the New Testament, love is spoken of by using three different words. All right, first there's the word eros. Eros is where we get the word erotic, okay? It's, it's, it's really kind of speaking of the physical dimension of love. The second word the Bible uses for love is, is the word phileo. All right, phileo is where we get the, the name of our, our city here, Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love. And pe some people say that eros is all take. Phileo, brotherly love, is both give and take. But the third word that is used of love is the word agape. And agape is this self-giving, sacrificial kind of love, which is all give. You need to, you need to hear this, okay? Agape love is, is love that is, that is kind, it's generous, and it continues to give even when the other person is unresponsive, unkind, and unworthy. And guys, as John is speaking of love here, when he's talking about God and he's talking about us loving one another, he's using the word agape. And while there's so many things that we can say about love, I want to give you kind of a definition of love. If you're a note taker, you can write this down, talk, it about, talk about it at Connection Group. And, and again, this is not like a, a full definition, but it's a great place for us to start. But love is this, okay? Write down selfless and sacrificial. This is what love is. It's selfless, meaning that you don't just exist for me, but I exist to serve you. Right? This is the example that we see in the Lord Jesus. Right, that he came into the world not to be served, but to serve. That he was selfless, not selfish. And guys, this is totally radically different than the world that we live in and how we're taught to love. That we live in a day that we're just consumed with self. Right? Self-care, self-promotion, self-love, self-protection. Right? We're, we're consumed by this idea of self. We're so focused on ourselves. But what John is showing us here is that true love, the love of God, the love that marks God's people is not self-consumed, but it's others-consumed. It's not selfish, but it's selfless. Now, in addition to being selfless, it's also sacrificial, meaning that it costs you something. All right? That to truly love it's going to cost you something. You're going to give up your time. You're going to give up your money. You're going to give up your energy. To have a really loving relationship, guys, it costs something. I mean, for those of you who are married, you know this. In order to have a great marriage, you have to give. You have to be sacrificial and selfless. If not, there's going to be conflict, right? It just happens. But what John is saying is, is God's love is, is both selfless and sacrificial, and he shows us this. Look at verse nine, listen to this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. And guys, here's what that means, okay? That we can, we can consider and, and ponder that word love, but until we see it, we cannot really understand it. But God is, has given us like a, a visual of true love so that we can see it, and when we see it, we can kind of be like, oh, okay. I get it now, that, that's love, that's love. That love is, is not just, guys, it's not just a, a feeling or a, a philosophy, but it's like a historical reality that can be experienced. And here's how, look back. 
that God sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, John is, is showing us two things to help us understand this love. All right, he says something first about Jesus, and then he says something about the cross. So when we look at Jesus, look back. God sent his only son. Because this, this means that Jesus is absolutely unique, unlike any other person in the history of the world. That Jesus is God become a man, and there's no one in the world that will ever be or ever has been like him in category and nature. That we all have a, a beginning and an end. We're, we're conceived, that's our beginning, and then we have an end and we die. Jesus is not like that. He's eternally existing as God. And here's why this is important, guys. Many people lump Jesus into other like high moral figures and high loving people and kind of create like a, I've heard it said like create like a Mount Rushmore of like moral figures and loving figures. And so you, you have like Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. and Abraham Lincoln, and then you have Jesus. And you kind of were like, oh, look at, look at all these people. That's must be, that's not what it is. Jesus is not like that. He's unlike that. Jesus stands in a category of his, uh, by himself. He's alone perfect. He's alone God. No one will ever match who Jesus is. That Jesus is God coming into human history and he's loving us by seeking and saving us. And here's how. Look at verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. All right, John is, is speaking of the cross here. All right, so if you want to write in your column by this, this verse, write the cross to remind yourself. He says that, that we know God is love and we know God's love for us because he sent his son to die for us. And guys, here is where we see kind of like the holiness of God and the love of God kind of meet and kiss. And it's so important for us to, to talk about this because, because, yes, God is love, right? I mean, this is probably one of the most easily memorized verses. God is love. So many people know this. God is, is love. But a lot of people, they'll, they'll take that one attribute of God and they'll make that the only attribute of God. And when they do that, they miss out on who God actually is and they can't even understand the love of God. Because God is also holy. He's righteous. He's just. He's spirit. And so, yes, God is emphatically love, but he's also holy. And, and it's so important for us to know this, guys, because I've had conversations with people all over our city and even in our church where we'll be speaking and, and they'll be like, man, I, I want to talk about the love of God. And I love that you talk about the love of God, but there's too much Jesus talk. And that talk that you gave at Easter where you talked about the bloody, gruesome death on the cross, like, and you guys talk about sin too much and, and wrath and the existence of hell, like, you can't do that. Just talk about the love of God. And what I tell those people is like, I, I literally cannot talk about the love of God without talking about Jesus dying for you in your place for your sin. That you can't understand the love of God. This is how God's love is made manifest to us and how God's love goes from this like hypothetical category to a historical reality. And God is in that moment lighting up the cross and saying, there it is. This is love. He died for us. Because in this word propitiation, it just highlights the love of God because it shows us this idea of, of substitution. And it helps us to truly understand what love is. Because, guys, here's the reality of every single one of our lives. 
is that every single one of us, we've, we've been created. You've been created by a loving creator to be loved and to ultimately love him. But instead of like choosing this loving creator, we all, we have chosen sin and we've violated that loving relationship. And because God is, is holy, our sin has to be dealt with. All right, because he cannot be in the presence of sin. He's holy, he's perfect, he's, he's set apart, he's righteous, so he cannot be in the presence of sin. So while he loves us, he's also got a problem with us that needs to be dealt with. And here's the thing, he shows us this idea of perfect love by taking that problem on himself. And when John says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, it means that Jesus substituted himself for us and he died in our place to forgive us and to love us and to embrace us. And as he dies, guys, the punishment that we deserve for our sin is, is diverted to Jesus so that we can be forgiven and enjoy this perfect love of God for eternity. And guys, I, I just love this. Like, this is the gospel, right? I mean, the God didn't send Jesus into human history demanding our blood and our punishment for our sin, but he sent himself. And he said, I will give that blood. I will take that punishment for you. So guys, here's what you need to know. God loves you first. He's saying to you today that I love you and I've loved you even though you didn't love me and you sin against me. And I came and I died for you so that you could be with me. This is the gospel, and this is the love of God that changes everything for Christians. I mean, we could share stories, and you guys could all come. And those of you who are Christians, you could tell this story of how this love of God, the gospel of God, has changed you. And I really believe that the lack of love in many professing Christians' lives is, is just due to the fact that and for those of you who have grown up in the church, you're especially susceptible to this, that the gospel, this, this great news of propitiation, Jesus taking the punishment for you, like it's, it's lost its luster for you. You're not amazed by it anymore. And this is why we get into the Bible, because God speaks to us and he shows us, he highlights how beautiful the gospel is. And when we understand this, guys, this love like will, will flow from us. And if you're here, guys, and, and you're not a Christian, I just want you to know that, one, I'm glad that you're here. I'm honored to teach you the Bible. You need to know that God loves you, and he loves you first. But you're not living in the love of God apart from Jesus. But God, because he loves you first, he's, he's pursuing you. He's brought you here today so you could hear this great message of his love, of the propitiation of Jesus so that he can take your sin. And so the offer yeah, that brought you to Doxa is like, hey, come to Doxa. We, you know, we have cake tonight. It's going to be great, right? The offer from Jesus is saying, hey, come. Give me your sin, and I will give you everything. It's the point of your life, of all of our lives, guys. It's the reason this church exists. And guys, here's the thing. It's in light of this great news, this great love of God, that John says what he does in verse 11. Look, beloved, if God so loved us, what then? We also ought to love one another. All right? John basically says, okay, so God loved us, so we should love one another. All right? And this love that God gives to Christians through faith in Jesus and then tells us to love one another by, guys, I want you to know that this is really just like a supernatural love. 
All right, it's not like a natural love. Natural love is like, I love you because you love me. You think I'm great, so yeah, I love you. You're, you're pretty cool too, right? That's like a natural type of, supernatural love is, is not like that. Supernatural love is like, I love you, but I don't even know you. I love you, but I don't like you. I love you, you're my enemy. I love you, but you hate me, right? This is supernatural love. And this is why it's actually possible for us to, to actually love people around us and love one another, even those we don't particularly like or even know. That God doesn't just command us to, to love, but he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can. And guys, when we love, we love by the Spirit's power and we love by God's love. And all that we do when we love is we simply are giving away what we received. And when we do that, guys, we're, we're really just taking the love of God that he's shown us and we're giving it to other people, and we remind ourselves in that moment that this is how God lives towards me. I wasn't worthy of it, but he loved me. He loved me first, and I go and I give this. Guys, you're not the source of love. Either am I. God is, and that's what makes it possible. And so if you are, like, struggling with, with loving other people, and you're a Christian, and, and you're loving your spouse, loving whoever, ask God. Pray. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Romans 8. Ask him to empower you by his spirit to help you to love like God has loved you. And guys, throughout the, the New Testament, this, this wording of, of one another, all right, in the Greek, it's actually one word, all right, in the English, two. But this, this idea of, of one another is used a hundred different times. And 47 of these verses are given to Christians to talk about how we live out the love of God towards one another. And since we don't have time to go through these, these 47 verses, right, we're, we've got a party to get to, right? Uh, I'm going to highlight one, all right, one specific love one another passage for you. And I want to show us, like, the, the selfless, sacrificial love that God has for us and how we specifically live this out towards one another in the Doxa family. And I think this is absolutely critical for our church. Guys, this is who God wants us to be. And so turn to Romans chapter 12. All right, as you get to, to Romans 12, all right, th this is such a big topic that, that what I'm gonna do, guys, is I'm gonna send a, a list of all these love one another passages to all the connection group leaders, and, and they can give it to you at your connection group this week. And, and I wanna encourage you to, to use this, part of your, your quiet time, your discussion times, to like go through these passages together, pray with it, pray through it with your spouse, and, and figure out what would it look like for me to love one another? How do I actually do this? All right, but, but today, I, this is what I think God has for us in Romans chapter 12. This is what the Apostle Paul says. In verse 9 of chapter 12, he says, let love be genuine. All right, that, that word in the Greek is like literally, don't let it be hypocritical. Don't say that like, I love God, but I, I don't love people. He's talking about like the marks of Christians loving each other. He's like, let it be genuine, a genuine love that actually loves people. He says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Right, there it is. There's this command to, to love one another, and he uses this idea of brotherly affection, so it's like this familial love. And I know that some of us, we, we come from broken families, and so you're like, well, it's easy. I don't love my family, so I don't have to love. No, he's talking about, like, if you had, like, a good family, a good dad, a good mom, a good brother, a good sister, you love that way, just like you would love a family member. And so he says, like, let it be genuine, love one another, and then he shows us the ways in which we do this, some practical ways. And look what he says. 
outdo one another in showing honor. Underline that in your Bible. Don't be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So, like, you ask the question, like, how do I serve the Lord? Well, what does Jesus say? The two greatest commandments, love God and love people. It's, it's love. It's, it's love language. Verse 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Verse 13, underline this part. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And underline this part. Weep with those who weep. Verse 16, underline this. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil, but give thought to, to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, and underline this next part, but overcome evil with good. Guys, Paul is talking about the love of God and how this marks the life of true Christians that show this by the way that we live towards one another. And he says that we should love one another, but then he qualifies it with this list of things. And as we read this, guys, we see this idea of, of selfless, sacrificial love and like what it actually looks like to be lived out in the family of God. And so let me just briefly highlight a couple things that as I've been thinking about our church and what God has been saying to me for us, I wanna just share this with you. Look at verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Because honor is, is literally just to, to recognize the value or the worth in something or someone. All right, and so we honor God, right? As Christians, we, we honor God, and we come here, and we sing songs to him. We pray to him. We teach about him. We, we share his, his love with other people. Like, we honor God. We, we recognize that we are not him, but he is great, and he is holy, and he is loving. So we honor him. But we also, like, honor people, loving God and, and loving people, and guys, I want you to know that guys, it's, it's really kind of like impossible to honor people if we are prideful. Look at verse 16. Paul says, don't be haughty. Like circle that like 15 times. Underline it, whatever. Like this is huge. Like guys, pride is disgusting to God. It's antithetical to the gospel. It's not who Jesus is. It's, it will ruin the community of God. It destroys people and it will keep you from him. Like pride is just like elevating yourself like above everybody. You're, you're thinking of yourself too much and you're thinking too much of yourself. And it's literally the opposite of Jesus. So if you, if you want to see this, if you're a prideful person, I'd encourage you to read Philippians chapter 2 every day this year. In Philippians chapter 2, you get this picture of Jesus. And he came as a servant. He's, he made himself nothing considering everybody else above himself. He honored people. He saw them as intrinsically valuable. And he died. Because we, we need to honor each other. Because it says the right thing about the love of God. And because one of the practical ways that like in a church, in a, any group of people, like I see this at the gym, I see this in offices, like, it, like gossip is one of those things that Christians like do super, super well and try and make it like a godly thing. 
Like, I, I want to talk to somebody. I want to, I, I got to tell somebody about this person because they just need, to, I'm just going to pray for them, right? So here, so-and-so, shoo, right? Here's what's going on in their life and their marriage. Like, it's just terrible. So I'm just telling you this so you can pray for them. Because when you do that, okay, what you're doing is you're literally just, you're, you're gossiping about them and you're making somebody else now view them in a bad light. So it makes it hard for them to honor them, all right? And we can't, there's no room for that. We need to honor people. If you want to pray for them, pray for them. If you want to have other people pray for them, just say, pray for them, right? You don't need to qualify everything. Like, we cannot be a church that does not honor people because this is not what Jesus was about. Look at verse 13. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Because we see this, like, sacrificial love. So honoring people, being humble and not prideful, this is like this idea of selfless love that we see in Jesus. Now we see sacrificial love. By giving. I mean, this is what God has, has done for us in the life and the death of Jesus, that he gave everything for us. Because it costs us something to truly love somebody else. If, if somebody says that they love you, but they're a, a taker and not a giver, they don't really love you. Love is about giving. And when we give, it says the right thing about God and the love of God in our lives because Jesus gave everything. And I see this in our church, and I, and I love it. Guys, like some of you guys, like, you got this. The love of God is seen so clearly in the way that you provide for people. Like some of your guys, your connection groups, I've heard of it. Like you're like, hey, so-and-so cannot buy groceries this week. So-and-so's car just broke down, and they need $500. Can we take up like a, an offering? Can we just all give in to support? Like you're doing it. Like this is what he's talking about. This is like the love of God in action in the church. Loving one another in this way. Look at verse 15. Weep with those who weep. Right? You, I think about like Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, where the Apostle Paul tells us to like bear one another's burdens. Because when we walk with somebody, when we weep with those who weep, you know what we do? We do what Jesus has done to us. That Jesus walked into our mess. He walked into our pigsty. And he met us there. And he walked with us. And he loved us. Because this is what we need to be doing for each other. When we talk about loving one another, we walk into each other's messes and we pray for each other. We encourage each other. We, we help each other. This goes right along with kind of like giving, right? Contributing to the needs of the saints that, that we walk with each other with this. Like you're, you're walking and you're, and you're weeping over the loss of a child. We don't just say, well, they're, they're, they're sad. I should probably just leave. No, you come around them and you put your arm around them. You maybe don't even say anything and you're there. Right? Some of us, like, you, you have, like, these marriage issues, and we can step into that and say, I don't have a perfect marriage, but I can maybe help with you, and, and you give of your time and your energy, and you walk alongside people. Guys, I've had people do that with me, and it's, like, the greatest joy to have somebody there, the family of God there, to love us in that well, and it's, like, the height of joy to be able to do that with somebody else. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Right? Because as this church grows, like maybe when we were like really smaller, like we all kind of thought the same things and believed the same things and, you know, like, but as we grow, there's more and more people, which means there's more and more opinions. Right? And in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, Paul talks about accepting one another. Guys, we don't have to agree on everything to love one another. Right? That we don't have to have like the same political view 
to love one another. Some of you, like, you, you hate other people that don't believe the same thing that you believe. There's certain things about Jesus and sin and life and eternity that, yeah, we need to be close-handed on. Because everything, like, we can tolerate each other and love one another even when we differ. There needs to be unity in the church. And then verse 21, guys, here's a, overcome evil with good. And this is that supernatural love of God. That Jesus came into the world loving us and he overcame evil with his perfect love and sacrifice. And so Paul shows us, guys, something of what it means to love one another, that we can honor one another, we can give to one another, we can meet one another in our burdens, we can fight for unity, we can come overcome evil with good guys. And, and the best part is like, again, this is what Jesus does for us. He's done all that. He honored us by seeing us as valuable. He came and he gave everything and he made a way for us. He met us in our deepest, darkest needs and he brought harmony and unity with God through the gospel. And so guys, I'll just end with this. What would happen in and among and through us if we actually were a church that loved like that? Can you, can you imagine? Like how would, your, how would your marriage be different? How would your, your family be different? How would, how would your neighborhood, how would our city be different if we actually did this? Everything would change, guys. The gospel would just be flowing in a way that like literally everything would change and like this would be like the church as Jesus recalled it as, as a, a city on a hill, right? The city in the middle of a city of darkness, there's a city on a hill that you see and it's like, well, something's happening there. Guys, that, that the love of God in you will be seen through you when we love like this and people will be drawn to that and they'll be drawn to Jesus, not you. And when they ask you like, how do you love this well? It, you're, you're like perfect. You're like a little Jesus and you're like, I'm not perfect. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I'm sinful. I'm prideful, but I have a great God and he's changed me by his love. And then we can point to Jesus and the gospel spreads. Guys, this is the goal. So two applications. One, preach the gospel to yourself. Just simply read your Bible. Like, don't ever think that that's just like a worthless task. Read your Bible because it will remind you of the love of God every time you open up the pages. Because every page, every chapter, every book of the Bible points you to Jesus and his great love. And then two, I want you to think about maybe even before you open your mouth to sing a song, what is one way that you can love one another better? Some of you, you, we just went through Romans 12, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, I have a lot of work to do, right? Great. Welcome to the family of Doxa. We all do. What is one practical thing that you can do to love your brother or sister better this week? And let's actually do it by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and see what God would do through people loving them like that. Let's pray. God, thanks for this church. Thanks that even as we talk about love, it's like this thing that it's already seen and being seen in the life of Doxa that you just want to fan into flame. And so God, as we just honor you and worship you and, and open the Bible and seek you, God, would you just help us to be just captivated by your great love seen in the gospel of Jesus in such a way that it stirs in us and begins to flow through us. Because we want to love one another well, just as you loved us. We want to love in such a way, God, that you would be seen as great as you are.
And God, I pray that as, as people, as we begin to be people that love like you, that it will be seen and experienced. And what Jesus says in John 13, that people will know that we're his disciples by the way they love. They'll be, they'll be intrigued enough and they'll ask and we can just simply point to Jesus and that you would give us the great opportunity to see more and more people added to your family. That's what we want of our church. So let this be so. And I pray that even as we sing these songs and before we sing this, that we would think about that. Like, what are you doing in us? What is one way that we can love better? And so as we sit and pray, Holy Spirit, just impress that upon us.